0: I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. This week, we are heading to New Jersey to speak with Nicole Farina of Nicole Farina Home. Her honest and fully exposed approach to her design business is as unique as her work, and we're talking about both. While Convo by Design has changed a lot over the past 10 years, some things remain the same as the day I started the show. I want to introduce you to amazing creatives in interior, exterior design, and architecture. I love this business, and I love what they do. Nicole Farina Home is a family-run business. Her husband, Mike, with his ME degree, he's a mechanical engineer, worked in civil engineering as well as teaching upper-level high school math, is able to project manage as well as offer a very unique skill set to the design firm. This was a fun chat, and I hope you enjoy it. You'll hear all about Nicole Farina Home right after this. I am incredibly proud of Convo by Design in year 10 and I'm equally proud of my partnership with Thermosol. They've been presenting partners of Convo by Design for three years now and there is a certain amount of pride that comes with saying that the show is presented by the company that is the best in the world at what they do. I generally really like engineer the, uh, the most exceptional smart shower products and steam shower systems. And the origin story, because I'm such a sucker for that, but I they were the I, first I company to design for technology first because, here um, in the U.S. Before, dating back to 1950. They we we were talking a little bit US about U.S. brand. Event. A U.S. So US manufacturer this in, in Round Rock, Texas April, employs an engineering team that this will designs, tests, and continuously refines the product. Their quality control team tests every single steam generator before. To date, we were talking about designing it. Who does that? I'm curious. Nobody. I have it's had so the pleasure important, of working right? with some we world-class designers and like architects who legends tell me, is coming up and in you probably LA know and, this, that and, the idea of luxury has changed and, um, changed and, and continues to change, especially when clients want a home. spa-like bathroom. And Steam is mandatory. Or this idea it's just not of considered a, a, events, luxury design events, a luxury space. Design and if you want to add Steam, you have one true option. And, to see what's and now, and to Thermosol, see what, the industry leader in steam, produced, bath and equipment, and technology since 1958, is enhancing kind of their already stellar family of products, out out products out with new indoor and outdoor luxury saunas, available in how three design you configurations. And each sauna is handcrafted that? from As clear Western Red cedar or Nordic Spruce. Inspired by the brilliance I, I honestly of Northern think European I sauna managed technology it and design. The well luxury bathroom um, isn't luxury without that steam. I, I if you want a luxury, old, you have one option. I think I'm it's still
1: actually checking out thermosol.com and at bit. Like, thermosol on the socials. I think we, you know, it's weird getting away from her and being away from, from her for long periods of time. We haven't done that yet. Um, and I, I really have thought to myself, okay, it's time to cut the ties. Like she can be away from me for a little bit. So I need to go get back into that. It's so inspiring to go to these events and and see all the showrooms and see what everybody's doing and and just meet up with fellow designers too and just kind of talk to them about, you know, what are you going through and um, catch up. So yeah, I, to no fault of my own, have been not... Present at some of these trade events, and I have said to myself, "I got to get back out there." So, so that being
0: said, that being said, how are you navigating sampling, specifying new tech, new ideas, new things that are? I mean, look, I was at um, I was at Kbis. Did you go to Kbis this year? Were you there?
1: I didn't know.
0: Okay, I was stunned by a how many people were there. Yeah and B, the sheer amount of product and new material that that has come on the market. How do you stay on top of that?
1: So actually, since my background, um, which I know we'll get into origin story, but I worked for a trade showroom, Schwartz Design Showroom, shout out to Schwartz, um, for 10 years. And when I first got into this industry, I was all about product. I needed to learn about every vendor. When I got into it, there wasn't Pinterest, Instagram wasn't around. I was clipping out magazines and looking at products. So my general knowledge of product is really good. And I like to kind of keep tabs and, and, and have a Pinterest and with swatches and everything, I have a home office. So my library isn't like huge fabric books and flags of fabrics. I try to kind of grade in fabrics from the upholstery companies that I work with and then pull fun, funky fabrics and keep those in my library. So I'm not like overwhelmed by fabric and I'm inspired by those things, not like your average neutral or solid fabric. And recently, which may have been a COVID thing, was they've been doing these small fabric events nearby. So I'm in, I'm based in New Jersey. Um, I'm in central Monmouth County, but there's been, um, a down the shore fabric event where they have like these country clubs where they set up tables, each there's a peer fray and there's a perennials and there's a Philip Jeffries. So you get to see all the new introductions and get your samples there and, you know, chat with people and everything. And that's been awesome because to not have to go to the city to source things, which can be super overwhelming as it is. Cause if you're looking for something specific, you're like, hello, here's 40 stories <laughs> of a building that you can go through. Um, so that's kind of how I've kept on top of my fabric sourcing, um, in terms of product, I do need to get out there a little bit more probably, but I'm on Instagram, like as all designers, we're like on Instagram, we're seeing so much and being inspired so much. And my, my way of just taking it all in is filing it away into like a Pinterest board or something that I can go back to later on, so.
0: It's really interesting, isn't it? The, the, the business of design, and it's funny because I've gotten away from, from doing the business of design. And I, and I think the reason why is, it's kind of funny. So 10 years ago when I started the podcast, I was kind of the only one, <clears throat> excuse me, I was the only one really doing this. And so it's like, oh, I'll talk about this this week. I'll talk about that next week. And over time, you know, more podcasts started coming on. And now everyone is just doing the business of design. Everyone's talking about the business of design. And it's kind of like, I feel like there's just too much noise out there. Like I'm doing it this way and I'm doing it that way. And here's how you get more clients and here's how you bill. And here's how. right. It's like enough already. If, if you really want to know those things, go to a business school. You know, because that's yeah. what you'll that's what you'll learn. Get your MBA, you know, right. and, and you will learn how to how to do that. But I think what's what's really been missing, at least for me, what's been rewarding in talking to to amazing creatives like you is to find out how you're navigating the business. I mean, right now it feels like, and it's not just design, right? It feels like everyone's drinking from a fire hose. Like mm-hmm. everything we're just so busy. Yeah. Um, and it's not the It's not the busy of doing the work. It's the busy of getting all the other stuff done so that you can do the work.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And right now there is so much new product. There is so much new technology. There is so much happening right now. I'm just curious, how are you drinking from the fire hose? How How are you managing all the things that you need to do so that you can get new clients, specify what's out there, learn about new product, Um, Get the work done, you know, do, do your reveals and still find time to have that work-life balance, because that's the thing that I think is, is being lost right now. How are, how are you navigating that?
1: Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm not, that's the thing. I'm not, you know, before a three-year-old Mike said to me the other day, my husband, he was like, so are we working harder? And I was like, no. We are working just as much as we did before, but now we have a kid and all that time is dedicated to her on the weekends and at nights. And so, you know, it doesn't feel like we're getting time for ourselves to have that work life balance. We have to be better about that, but that's, that's another topic. You know, we're, my husband joined me about two years ago now in the business, and he's been the yin to my yang completely he does everything that I dislike doing and he's wonderful and awesome at it. He has an engineering background and he's a teaching background and he's he's elevated our business like three times. Now we're just trying to figure out, okay, we figured out us, how do we go from here? And I think also just figuring out like, what does success mean to us? And what does growth mean to us? And how far do we wanna take it? And just kind of our next step is to hire somebody else. Like right now it's just the two of us and we're just managing doing everything on our own and creating our process that works for us. Um, And so I think that would be the next step. Honestly, we're just taking it day by day and managing as many projects as we can and kind of foreseeing the future and just being, you know, being like, okay, when can we take on a, a couple new projects? It's not easy. Like phase it, the phases of the design process are always like a different areas. And it's really hard to kind of quantify how much time everything's going to take to be like, oh, this will take X amount of time. I mean, you can guesstimate, but at the end of the day, you know, you really got to tell people like, let's, you know, new, new possible, um, clients, you got to be like, this could be anywhere from September to n- November that we can take you, you know, so Um, we're navigating like everyone else. I, I, you know, I haven't totally figured it out yet. I've been doing this for a long time and I'm still learning so, so much. I mean, that's the thing about this industry. I mean, like you said, new technology, new product, there is constantly stuff to learn and take on. And it, it's very humbling. (laughs) Well, and it's,
0: it's, it's interesting too, because I've had this conversation a lot and we can put a pin in this and come back to it, but I, here's, here's why I bring it up. I'm starting to bring it up more and more because the, the conversations I've been having lately are, and here's why I think it's interesting because you know, doing the podcast for 10 years now, I'm talking about different things. Obviously I'm talking about different things than I was three months ago, six months ago, eight months ago, 12 months ago, five years ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the nature of the business is changing so rapidly and right now, we're on the precipice of something really interesting. And I wanted to kind of ask you about this dynamic between you and Mike. So yeah. I find this fascinating, because um, for the last, you know, back in October, November, I started working with Chat GPT a little bit, just messing around with it. And it's so fascinating to me how that's going to change the nature of the business that I started taking a course through MIT on no code AI and machine learning. So I'm in the middle of that right now. And I'm, I'm kind of, you talk about drinking from a fire hose. I'm not a math person and Mike could probably relate to this, Yeah. but here's what I'm learning. AI machine learning, big data is going to totally change the nature of the design industry in Mm -hmm. so many, in so many ways. And having Mike, who is a, he's an engineer. What does that do for the business side? And how does that alleviate the pressure for you as a creative?
1: Well, he has an engineering background in that he was in it for very little before he took an alternate route Mm. and became a teacher. So he just did high school math, calculus, all of that. Um, But that technical side of him means as soon as he came on board, he learned SketchUp in 24 hours, like literally 3D. He, I think um, we had done a drawing one time to see if a chandelier and a four-poster bed were going to touch each other. And I think our client said, wow, he saw, he watched a video of it and he was like, that was like docking a spaceship. That was technical. Um So he like came on and did that where I, you know, I went to school. I learned CAD. I also learned Revit. It was confusing because I was learning two programs at one time. SketchUp wasn't even around at that point, I don't think, or maybe it just had started coming around. I completely lost my ability to do any of that. So I was doing hand drawings or having other people do the drawings, um, I had a partner at the time that was was doing them. So I lost all of my technical skills to do any of the drawings aside from hand drafting. So when he came in and took over that, I didn't have to pay anybody anymore. And he was able to do that. And his dad was actually a shop teacher in Newark, New Jersey in high school, uh, Newark High School for 40 years. So he also like has the drafting and stuff. So he learned that and loved that. He loves that part of, of the business. Um, and so he really helps and he's been amazing working with, um, contractors and everything and project managing. They love him. I mean, we have had multiple contractors who were like, no doubt we are going to refer you guys are so organized and he's been, Everything is on Dropbox and all the technical documents and it's so organized and they don't have to call us for anything. So it's been great. Yeah. Love having him. Yeah.
0: And you know, it's, it's interesting too. I'm, I'm not going to dwell on this, but it is a little unfortunate that contractors and female designers, even, even women architects that I've spoken to have some issues. I think it's changing. It's just not changing fast enough.
1: I agree. I was going to touch upon that too. Like they just have a comfortability with him, I guess being a man, maybe and they, sometimes the questions I could easily field and he may not even know, and they just automatically go to him. Um, but, um, but they see us as a team and he's really project managing. So, you know, it's been, it's been really, really great, but yeah, I definitely,
0: But, but it's just unfortunate because those those women designers without a mic, um, yes. you know it, it's it, it, my my suggestion would be you know that as the it's it feels like construction is one of those few industries that has still sort of tolerated that that idea mm. you know the the gender the gender gap and the gender bias I, I think as as smart as designers are these days you know. There's a difference between a designer and a decorator. But even, yes. you know, even decorators, and I don't I don't mean that in a de minimis way at all. Um, right. just that, you know, to be a designer, you have a you have a piece of paper, you know, you've right. you've gone and you've gotten a certification. Um, with a decorator, you you don't necessarily have that. But there is such an education to knowing what specifications are for things that you're that you're ordering or putting in a in a in a dwelling that You know, it's in it's in everyone's best interest to to kind of work work well in the play in the in the sandbox. And I I think we're getting there. We're just not getting there fast enough.
1: Yeah, I agree. Why,
0: why the fashion merchandising background?
1: (laughs) I think that there was just naive, like being young in high school. I went to like a very academic high school and my parents pushed me towards that, um, where I kind of felt like I wanted to nurture my creative side. Like I was senior year, I could take an elective in pottery and they were like, no, you can't do that. You have to take creative writing. And so I I feel like maybe it was, I mean, I want to blame my parents, but I feel like they kind of dampened that side of me a little bit. And I was always interested in interior design. I, my, a friend of mine growing up had these Blueprint magazines. Do you remember those? Like the house plan magazines that you could pick up? Yeah. yeah. I loved them. I asked, can I have these? I would make my own blueprints and stuff. Uh, I mean, like middle school. And I went into high school and I was like, oh, I'm not good at math. So I guess I can't really be an architect or or anything like that. I don't know. And I thought, well, what can I be creative in? Um, And I went to school Um, at FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology in Manhattan for fashion merchandising. I loved it, but I think it was my second year in, I took a class called um, Home Products and they sent us to ABC Carpet and Home. And I was like, what am I doing? I need to be in the home product interior design world somehow. I was terrified to switch gears at the time. I, 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 I didn't know how I was going to do it. I ended up finishing my degree in fashion and then everybody in my family was like, well, what are you doing now? Because I wouldn't get a job in fashion. So it was like waitressing and doing all of that. And my aunt was like, I, um, what do you want to do? And I was like, I felt like so weird. Like I was coming out of the closet or something. I was like a closeted designer I was like, I think I want to be an interior designer. And she was like, oh, I have a friend who's working with one right now. So I ended up through my aunt, one of her best friends was having um, a big salon in her house done. Like uh, she had a a three car garage and was doing an addition where she could have a salon and like have take um, clients at her house. And she was working with um, this guy, uh, Matt, Matt Root. Um, his business name is M Frederick at the time. I think it was, um, houndstooth home. Yeah. And, uh, so I ended up working for him briefly and then I went back to school at Kane and that kind of fueled it up. So fashion, it was just a means to an end, I guess. I, I really, it was a a second love, I guess. Well, say. here's,
0: here's what I think is so interesting about, about sort of your, your path. You've, you've got this degree in fashion merchandising, which teaches you this, it's, it's the showbiz side of fashion. It's many more really business is.
1: than anybody could really understand. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then you get your, your degree in interior design, and then you go and work at, the showroom, which is really, I mean, look, let's be honest. The showroom is where the rubber meets the road. That's where, that's where it all happens in, in reality, putting those three things together. How has that informed you as it relates to the firm? And did that help you define, and I say this very carefully and purposefully. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned early on, doing this show. Cause I would ask this question that, that was, it's not a stupid question. I've said this before, but it's just a pedestrian question. Like I would ask designers, what's your style. And I think that that's, I think it's a good question. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's relevant when asking about how you do work for others. Like if mm-hmm. we're talking about your home and I have a feeling as we go through some projects, we might be, but yeah. it's, it's not about your home per se. It's about yeah. how you channel your gifts, your skill to get out of your clients what what they're looking for. but I think that there's a through line, and I think that there are some some consistencies in the work. Do you know what those are? Um, and do you know sort of how your path and your your style informs what you do for your clients?
1: Oh Okay. So the question really is, what is my personal aesthetic? Is no, it, no.
0: No, it's okay. what is the, what are the through lines like? What are some of the things? Thread, you know, like, yeah, like Off the thread. I, I find it really interesting. Some some designers really f- focus on the technical aspect of it, and they they put smart everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really interesting. I think that that's choice because it's not everyone necessarily asks for it because many clients don't even know or aren't aware of what's available to them when it comes to tech. Others have certain things like when it comes to kitchens, it's like, I'm not doing one kitchen, I'm doing a kitchen, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shoehorn a scullery over here, I'm going to put a butler's pantry over here, I'm going to do the outdoor kitchen over here. And I'm going to make it so that the kitchen triangle is like a thing of the past. Now it's a now it's a kitchen rectangle with a triangle and a square. And you've, you know, what are some of the things that that have driven you to, to inform and define your work?
1: OK, um, well, see I think- now we're
0: getting now we're getting to the hard questions. Yeah, now, this is this is like the equivalent to the math part of the uh, <laughs> part of the conversation.
1: I mean, it's almost so obvious that I don't even think it's ho- like <clears throat> I guess color is the one thing that drives me in every project. Like if I don't have a color scheme or a thought on color from the beginning, I almost seem lost like that. And then in additionally, I. Um, Material, I look at every room in terms of like color and material and like how those things are relating to each other. I love the juxtaposition of two things that are like very different from each other. Um, And I would just say product, like interesting, cool product and just balancing those three, three items are are is what I look at to kind of create a cohesive design and a thread through the client's home or even through all of my projects. Um I wish it was more interesting than that, but it's not. It's really pretty simple, I think. Does that answer the question? I don't even think Yeah, yeah, no, it it does. Here's
0: here's the thing. I, I think okay. In years of doing this, I found a couple of things, like in working with designers, m- many clients don't know the questions that, that they should be asking of
1: mm-hmm. their
0: interior designer, mm-hmm. which leads, like the architects, they get around to the to the real important questions. Like, yeah. hey, I should probably put a header or a beam or something here so that the, this structure doesn't fall down. Okay, right. well, if, if that beam or header is there, that will block a view, that will make something else non-functional, or now we have to move it, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to design, many clients don't really ask the, the the questions that get to the heart of what what's really important in the in the aesthetic and in the feel. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that right now, design is at a forefront. I feel like design is, is a genuine art form. Oh, and yeah. And as such, because it's an art form, there isn't necessarily one right way to do this. So you could do it a bunch of different ways. You're trying to get to a feel. You're trying to get to an emotion. You're trying to get to
1: 100%.
0: And so because of that, I think it's important for designers to understand where their superpowers lie. And I think most many, if not all of the great ones definitely do. And I, I think you have a firm grasp of that. So, what I kind of like to do next is is this exploration into some of your projects, okay And I love doing this and and I always put the same I preface it the same way, yes, fully aware this is a podcast, yeah, and if you're listening, um, I encourage you to you know when you have a chance to stop down, if you're listening while you're driving, don't do this. Maybe you do this <laughs> later. Yeah. but know um, this. yeah. Yeah, but when you're at home and you got a couple of minutes and you want to listen, timestamp this. Go to the show notes, uh, and you will find a link to Nicole uh, Farina home, and we're under the under the projects tab or under portfolio. The mm-hmm. first one I wanted to ask you about because, to your definition, the Color Me Happy project mm-hmm. seems to speak to exactly what you were talking about, and that that first image um, in in the bedroom. It just kind of defines a feel, yeah, as much as it does a look. yeah for for whom did you did you design this? you know, did you have specific instructions? did you did you have a direction? Um, or did you have a feel? what was the what was the instruction for for this project?
1: So this project um, started off it was a Master bedroom renovation where we got a solo architect involved. Her name was um Jung Lee Masters, amazing. Um and also the downstairs, so underneath where the master bedroom was, the downstairs like we called it like kind of family sitting room space. Um it was like a double room with like a fireplace and a piano and then kind of a family gathering gathering area. Um What started this was just knowing the family, like, like we said, feeling and emotion drives this so much. And basically they, um, the, they have a family business. It's uh, like a distribution of nuts (laughs) and they they're, they're traveling all over the globe to different places. And they had a very like eclectic, exotic kind of feeling. Um, and then the wife was very like Bohemian, the way she dressed like, like the epitome of anthropology. So we knew that they liked eclectic, kind of almost globally inspired and colorful. Um, and so we did a really interesting, uh, with with this job, the bedroom kind of stayed as is, but the bathroom and closet that was existing turned into one giant bathroom, And then we basically took the two-story sitting room, brought the ceiling down to a very nice, like nine foot high ceiling. That's that teal room that you see. Um, And above became the giant master closet that we did. So um, I think you can kind of see in the materials, like the chandelier in the bedroom, that's made of like macrame, and some of the pattern and the color uh, that that it's definitely like a bohemian globally inspired place that really reflects the clients. Even they are like the Moroccan style medicine cabinets that we had, but then it's like mixed with a cool modern bistro sconce. So kind of the juxtaposition is always there. The juxtaposition of the globally Moroccan medicine cabinet with the really cool modern kind of vintage inspired sconce. That's always there. I think in the design is the juxtaposition that is something that fuels me like the whole rustic modern or like I'm obsessed with this one wallpaper for my, my own dining room. That's burlap background with like shimmering glittery stuff on top. Like the juxtaposition of the two is like the coolest thing to me. So
0: You are listening to my conversation with Nicole Farina of Nicole Farina Home. We'll be right back. We are living in a time of incredible growth, both technologically and creatively, with respect to interior design, exterior design, and architecture. There is no question. There are companies thinking differently about the business of design and how to make products super serve those for whom they're being made. One of those companies, and one of my favorites, is Moya Living designer and fabricators of some of the most stunningly beautiful, incredibly durable, and highly functional kitchen, bath, and outdoor kitchen cabinetry on the market today. Powder-coated steel with stunning lines, vibrant colors to fit any design style or aesthetic. A history of designing cabinetry for the scientific community. So you know it's been tested in some of the truly the most harsh conditions available. Moya O'Neill is the CEO and founder of Moya Living. She's the inspiration behind the design. Designers, their specification process is so simple. It will make your job so much easier. Check them out online through the socials at Moya Living, their website, moyaliving.com, and in the real world, their live kitchen showroom in Fountain Valley, California. Here's here's what else I glean. From your presentation, and by the way, I, I don't want to overlook this. I, I actually want to focus on this for a minute. Yeah. Does does your um, does your fashion merchandising
1: mm-hmm.
0: background affect or influence the manner in which you style for your shoot?
1: I don't think so. Actually, I don't think so. I think. What, where I learned merchandising from was really working at Schwartz and it was a playground for me, as you can imagine. So Schwartz at the time when I worked there was about 5,000, 6,000 square feet of just open showroom space where you had over 200 different vendors. You have to appeal to every designer. So every style, every price point. And it was me going around and I don't know, somehow having the confidence and the desire and interest to move things around to be like, oh, that, that, that looks cool with that. And, and eventually at the time, Alexis's mom, Suzette was still, um, the president and <laughs> she would come in and be like, who did that? Like with this, this like weird judgy face. And then she'd be like, I like it. I like it. <laughs> or no her, her token phrase was i don't hate it i don't hate it <laughs> and uh and eventually it just turned into like oh well Nicole did it or so and so did it and um you know eventually it became into like fridays was the day i'd move stuff around with with uh with edwin the the the, the warehouse manager and 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 it really became I got faster at it. I got better at it. It was the ultimate playground. I honestly think that like that experience was invaluable. And that is what um, I think drives me to kind of style a space in a way. I love the accessory part of it. I love the flowers. Like I could, even like looking at magazines, um, I was always like, ooh, look at that layout and how they like, food styling or, or, or anything like that is so intriguing to me. And I kind of pull ideas from that a lot of times and pull it into my photo shoots and, oh, how am I going to bring this together? And like, what kind of uh tabletop game am I going to use an acrylic Jenga? And like, will there be whiskey next to it? And like that to me, is i don't know why but it's so exciting it's it tells a story and i i love that part
0: that is exactly where i was going with this because as I'm looking through this project and i, I encourage every, everyone who's who's listening uh to go look at this too so styling for a photo shoot is is one of those is one of those art forms that i would i would compare to accessorizing mm-hmm I think accessorizing is is a definite art form. There is just such a fine line between balance, structure and throwing in the kitchen sink. And to as an example, I will use that that game table with the acrylic jenga yeah. and the and the whiskey as well as above that with with the bar. So I am seeing way more home bars. And I think that the home bar is a manifestation in a post-pandemic world. I think that the home, the home bar really, I, I I don't know. I I kind of feel like prior to the pandemic, the idea of a home bar was like, your alcohol needs to be stored and hidden away. It's just not, I don't know if it's not proper. I don't, I don't know why, but for some reason post covid i am seeing so many home bars and the, and i think it's wonderful and i think that the way that they're being styled and presented is it's it's a new way of presenting personality and mm. this home bar here's what i love about it i don't see in the home bar that you styled i think maybe there's one vodka bottle that is unopened everything else everything else has been has been styled for use yeah. The the game, you know, it's a game I think but drunk stoned or stupid is is in the bar. <laughs> it's you know, you've got the cutting board with the limes. You're you're showcasing you're showcasing how this space is is being designed to live in. You're telling yeah. a story with it. And yeah. and it's a it's a fearless approach to styling a space in a in a way that's not necessarily made for glossy pages of the magazine to show what and and untouched space looks like, but how people actually live in it. Yep. And I, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. It was a very interesting project because we had to take certain things that were very sentimental to the clients that they had had from their aunts or grandparents or parents. Um, and one of those was that bar what it was basically just like, um, a secretary hutch before and we were like how can we make this more useful and being that we were making this kind of like the sitting room game night kind of space where you know they would have people over and you could pour yourself a drink right there um we ended up taking our, our cabinet maker ended up coming in and kind of transforming it and refinishing it and putting a metal top on that piece that that folds out like the secretary piece that folds out for like a desk <laughs> To make it more functional for drinks and stuff, spills and whatnot. So um, that was really fun and challenging, but like in a good way. Um, so it was, well uh,
0: next next project I want to I want to jump over to yeah, is is go bold and go home. <laughs> and I I want to I want to preface this by saying I'm not just looking for home bars. By the way, I'm I'm really not. But, um, one of the things that I, I love so much about this project, Mm a couple of things that you had mentioned that I think absolutely scream, um, color, a willingness to be so incredibly brave in some of the design choices, and we'll get into this in a minute, um, but it's also as you as you showcase this this home and this project how it's meant to be lived in or rather not meant to because that's that's personal but how how it was designed to be lived in mm. i think is really important and and that's where it comes to the storytelling i i have such a passion and love for set decorators because i think what they do is they're designing a space not for a client, but for words on a page. Yep. And it's up, it's up to them to interpret what's between the lines, right. what the emotion, right. the feel, what that space smells like,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: what, what it feels like when you walk into it, you know, what, what it does for, for all of your senses. Yeah. And, you know, you lead, you lead, you know, this large Mont, New York home with right. a, it, it is bold. It is it is a, a brave skill set a, a set of choices. Here is what's interesting too. This is not demographically specific. This is a family. I mean, you tell me about the client or the you know who the, who this was designed for, but this is a family.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two. It was a. It's a family of five. Three kids. They are. geez. We've been working with them for a while and they actually moved from Westfield to Larchmont. So did part of their house in Westfield, moved to Larchmont. Again, design challenge. It's not working on a new build or working from scratch. It's, and this is where the merchandising background comes from. I honestly think is, is taking those things from a previous home that worked in that home perfectly. And that was meant for that home and repurposing them for the new space. That was part of the challenge. Um, and uh, I'm off on a tangent. I don't remember your question. Or no, it, it, it's a,
0: it's about for for the whom this for yes. whom this space was designed. And and here's what's interesting too. So there is a hallway in. I'm going to assume that this is the master ba- uh the master bedroom between the master ba- bedroom and the yes. master bath. Yes. There is a hallway. Uh, first of all, that wallpaper is fantastic. But yeah. second,
1: yeah,
0: you you put a desk in here where I you know I mean look again pre-pandemic, that may not be a desk, that might be a dressing area or a sitting room or yeah. something non-utilitarian or something non-specific right. to, to sort of as a, I don't know, as an interstitial between one space and another, but mm-hmm. instead, this has a very, very specific purpose now because need specified it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be honest with you, it was there. <laughs> when we really? Went- Yes. I mean, this was a brand new Larchmont build, like a spec house, right? That we basically was, I don't know, I want to say 9,000, 10,000 square feet house.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: And so what you're seeing is me just enhancing its beauty. It was just a blah gray desk with blah gray walls before we got to it, basically.
0: What year was this project built? you know
1: it was it was it was during covid so i want to say like
0: oh it was okay pre,
1: it was built pre covid and um yeah i think it was on the market for a while before the clients ended up buying it but um it was you know a very blank slate and you know that desk chair came from their old master bedroom <laughs> and the shade the fabric on the shade there was actually used in their old family room. So we took some things, we took old, like they had just spent, I don't even know, like thousands and thousands of dollars on beautiful Osborne and little linen ombre draperies. I think I, I think I repurposed them in like four different rooms. I don't even know. I was like trying to make that work. And, uh, one of them was the, the playroom downstairs. And then we turned that into like, the kids area was like a a uh, woodland creature theme and that's right off of the media room which was very important in the covid days of course. But everything you can see there was like new and fresh and clean and white and just reinventing. Well, for them. So
0: the last the last four images here are the kids bedrooms yes. and how much fun did you have selecting wallpaper for these rooms?
1: Love wallpaper, love kids' rooms. I think if there was like a niche that I had to go into, it would be designing for kids because there's no rules and it's super fun. Um, and there's always color. Uh, I And I love, I love designing them. There's like sophistication for their growth as they age. But then there's always like the quirky, whimsical, colorful stuff that you add in for their youthful, playful side. Right. So there's that balance of like making it really chic in a way, but also really approachable and fun for them. Yeah, I, I love that. I love those rooms, especially Net- the skeleton whales. I love. Those. I
0: love those. Yeah. Now there are some who would say who have who have a a fear of of wallpaper. Yeah, and it's 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 an honest feeling, and i and yeah, I totally valid. get it, yeah, um but wallpaper's having a moment, and you must love that,
1: oh my god. I'm all about it and and you know what? I'm not seeing it. I think even one of our most conservative clients right now uh who's a friend of mine, so she doesn't actually share my aesthetic with color. she's definitely more neutral. <laughs> She's putting wallpaper everywhere, living room, dining room, master bedroom, hallway, kids rooms, like powder room. So she's, you know, even though she's afraid of color, she's still loving wallpaper and using it everywhere. It makes a room just, it takes it from here to here. You know, it's, it it just takes it up a notch. It really does. And there's, there's ways of doing it, you know, where you can get a really cool texture or paper and not totally committing to a price point necessarily. And then there's, there's price points that are crazy <laughs> too.
0: There are price points that are crazy, uh, yep. but you know what? It's interesting. They exist because there are clients that are, that are willing to pay it. That fits what, what they want. Yep. Curious what what are you being asked for these days that maybe you weren't being asked for in design a few years ago
1: well i think everything that i stand for and that i push for in my in my designs the color the texture the pattern i don't think i was being asked for that i honestly think that i was pushing, not, that that sounds bad. I was, (laughs) I was selling it to people in the beginning because it was always like doing it a little bit at a time and kind of being like, I know that this is a risk for you, but I promise you in the end, when you see it, it's going to be your most favorite thing in the entire space. So now I think people are actually coming to us for that and are not afraid of that. And I kind of think that, sorry, all the people who are doing the very white wash walls, the the wood everywhere, the vintage, you know, like the black, like, I don't know. You can actually see that in a post that I just did today. That look I think is dying down a little bit. I think people want more color and, and, and more richness and they're not afraid of it as much. I mean, look at kitchens now. I almost think the white kitchen is dying. Stone, marble mat- materials, people are like, you know, remember when Calacatta gold is still like the hottest and most expensive thing in the world, but people don't want that anymore. They want the cool, veiny, colorful stuff. So,
0: It's okay. So it's uh, so much to unpack there. It's really interesting. I I get where you're coming from as far as the white kitchen, but it's funny. I've said this before, and I and I believe this wholeheartedly. I it's one of my biggest pet peeves, almost like color of the year, Mm -hmm. is the idea that you know at the end of the year, you'll always see the magazines do the trends, and you online you'll see the trends. Here are the top five things you need to know about design. The the top ten things that you're going to see in 2023. Yeah. And the top five things that you're not going to see in 2023. And it's funny because the one thing that I noticed coming into this year was the fact that the white kitchen was on both lists. It was a a propensity of the list. Like the things you're not going to see anymore is the white kitchen, the things that you are going to see this year is the white kitchen. I'm just fascinated by it because, and you do amazing white kitchens. I think that, um, there will always be people who love the white kitchen. And I think that as long as there are people who love the white kitchen, the white kitchen will always be part of our design vernacular.
1: The white kitchen is just, it's being modified ever so slightly. Instead of the fully white kitchen, which is the white countertop, the white backsplat. It's now, okay, we'll have white cabinetry, but we're gonna step it up with some cool stone or we're gonna get funky hardware and a backsplash or we're adding wallpaper or there's colored light fixtures coming down. Like taking that classic cabinetry, putting your money into that, which I totally get, that's a lot of money in your kitchen reno is the cabinetry. (laughs) And then putting the personality in those other things so that you could change those out later and still have your white cabinetry you know uh,
0: yeah no ho- absolutely okay so i like to i like to play this game yes when we're doing this okay and it's a game that i that i play by myself and i try to figure out if as i'm going through the portfolio mm-hmm. if the designer's house their own house is one of the projects that are featured in the portfolio. Okay. Because, I, I, I don't know, I, I just, I've seen, so, I was trying to figure out, and mm-hmm. I have a guess. Okay. I have a guess. Okay. I think, and I've been wrong, so, I mean, it's, I don't have to be always right, but um, I am going to guess that your house is the 100-year-old colonial revival revived.
1: Okay, no. Ah. But I would say that that is the project that's the closest and most near and dear to my heart. uh, And the one that I was given the most freedom to design on of all the portfolio. Really? Yes. Um, I had a,
0: I had a hunch that the reason I was guessing is because your picture -hmm. On your website, your team picture was in the hanging chair.
1: Oh, yeah. And I was like,
0: okay, well, the hanging chair is in this project. And based on all the things that you said, I was like, this this has to be, this has to be your your home, but it's not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was wrong. No, it's not. Um (laughs) I love that house so much. I mean, that was an interesting project. So that project started August 2019. The Mm. clients moved there. They have recently moved (laughs) out of the house and the new homeowners just hired us to basically repurchase like a bunch of stuff that was in there and even do like the same sofa, the same wing chair, but in different fabrics.
0: So I'm, so I'm guessing when the, when the previous owners left, they took everything with them. The new owners probably wanted to, wanted to buy it all all as designed, but they wouldn't do it. Mm.
1: Yeah. um, Yes. Basically. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Did they leave the hanging chair?
1: No, but the real, I love
0: that. I love that. They
1: they did reorder them. Their realtor ended up buying them as a gift. So they have those Mm. now. And um, they actually left uh, the living room rug. You know, and lighting, a bunch of the lighting, too.
0: So, so and, and by the way, this this particular home um, speaks to me. Yeah. Because I, I think I mentioned this when we were talking before. Um, I am in Tulsa. I'm from L.A., but I'm in Tulsa working on a design house project. Yes. And the, the design house project is a 1936 colonial revival. Okay. And- as I was looking at this, I was like, oh my gosh, I love what you did there. I wonder, I love that. I love this. I, we got to figure out how to. So there's a couple of things. There are some through lines in your particular style and your design. And I, I actually want to start in the foyer and that stairway this with the wallpaper. Yes. I love that wallpaper.
1: Yes, I, I do too. I was obsessed with it. Um, the client's. All the women in the household wanted it. The husband was like, I don't think so. And I was like, No, you have to do it. You have to do it. I wanted it to be like, um, I think there was a Degornay fish wallpaper that um, Jeffrey Allen Marks had done, I think, in one of his projects. And I was like trying to evoke that same feeling like you're going through this, like, underwater tunnel of these steps. Um, and the console from made goods, that gold leaf console that's branchy, um, that was kind of like an underwatery thing. and mm. uh, just I'm I'm obsessed with it. I wish they took it all the way up to the third floor. They didn't. It's expensive. And I said, let's just, you know, let's just evoke that feeling right here when you walk in and make that like such a wow, whimsical moment. I love it so much.
0: The sunroom. Yes. Love that. Uh, Love the hanging bench. Um, Tell me about this. What was there before? And how did you, how did you ideate this? The floor as well. I mean, everything about this. I just absolutely love this. Are those wood, is that a painted wood floor?
1: Yes. Yeah. So so I was like, this is an, uh, it's a screen porch. So I was like, okay. how can we, you know, bump this up? Um, and I, I you know, there's a reason why people are like, say paint transforms and you could do so much with paint. And I said, I hired, I have this amazing faux finisher, Ariana Hoffman, um, who actually did, um, Alexis's foyer in her house, a painted foyer. And I saw this tile and I was like, well, obviously we can't tile this, but we could, we could stencil the floor and and Ariana could do it. And then I was like, now we're going to bring some color into the space, you know? um, And I said, let's do an orange ceiling (laughs) and bring that kind of thread of the orange through the dining room. So that's the thing that transformed it is those two things, the orange ceiling and the stenciled floor. Um, I, I just, you know, Instagram sparks so many ideas. And I think I just saw somebody who did their porch or their outdoor area in a tile that was just like that. And I said, well, let's just do that. I love that. So
0: I love that too. Uh, what I also love, I am an absolute sucker for a banquet. I yeah. love, love, love properly well-placed banquettes. Now here's what you did in this one though. It's really interesting because the molding is so prominent. Um, did you, did you have this custom made? Was it, was it something that you could have pre-made and just use the, use the molding to modify no. it? would you do? Again,
1: there? that was there.
0: Oh, it was there.
1: I added the cushions and uh, the, the pillows and we did a chair and a fixture and, Um, chairs and a fixture and a table. Yeah. And that was, that was, that that was an easy one. This was a very, like, this house was just very well decorated. Like I did all the decor and the one major, I guess you could say project reno was the fireplace in the living room. That was the biggest project, let's say, but the house was so beautiful. The those stained glass windows with the yellow around. It was such a a point of uh, a starting point and just the fireplaces and all their detail. I love an older home. I wish I could get more of them. I think it's just the type of person you have to be. Like, I love the type of client you have to be to have an older home. You have to be like, oh, well, this piece of hardware is just missing from the window and that's fine. You know, like, right? Yes.
0: Yes. So you're yes.
1: Ultimately have to be a more easygoing person because <laughs> of that. Cause there's no, you would be, you would go nuts. You have to love the imperfections of an older home.
0: There is a wabi-sabi to an older home. You're a hundred percent right. And you have to find, you have to find the joy in that. Now I have one question um, because this comes up regularly and it's a choice You can go either way, and I'm just curious if there was a conversation or if it was just like, no, it just didn't belong there. On the stairs, no runner.
1: It was a conversation. I asked them if they wanted one. (laughs) They said no. Um, I don't think you need one. I think the spindles and the architecture of the moldings are beautiful enough and the wallpaper that you don't need it. Um, It would be a lot because there's three stories all the way up, so... Um, yeah, just a conversation and it, that was a no. Would I I, that. I, I wonder what I would have done. I don't think I would have, <laughs> I don't think I would have done anything too crazy Yeah. with it. Um, maybe some, like a cool binding or, or, or some, some grommet or nail heads or something. Yeah on the binding but that wallpaper is the star
0: yeah yeah Yeah. no it totally is actually it's not you're the star nicole and and um i i I love your work i love your work um and i also love this conversation i got have to tell alexis that we that we spoke um
1: (laughs) do you know what number her pod her podcast is because i was looking for it and i couldn't find it
0: no i'll have to you have to message me later yeah i'll i'll email you that's funny.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> but but thank you for doing this. Thank you for the time today. Um, totally appreciate thank it. You. this is great.
1: Thank you so so much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: Design Hardware's newly remodeled showroom is where you will find a gallery-style space with a thoughtful display of products, purposefully positioned to allow unbridled exploration and discovery. High-end faucets, luxury tile, natural stone, wood floors, and bespoke hardware selections are presented in a holistic manner, strategically arranged to stimulate creativity and transition your vision from the conceptual stage to a fully realized space. Conveniently located, free parking available, stop by to find your inspiration, Collect samples, get expert advice, and tackle everything on your shopping list all in one place. Visit them online at DesignHardware.com or in the real world, 6053 West 3rd Street in Los Angeles. Hey, thanks, Nicole. Loved our chat. Thank you to my partners and sponsors, Thermosol, Moya Living, and Design Hardware, for your continued support of both Convo by Design and the design community. Side note the sponsors and partners you hear on Convo by Design are more than companies with a product. Each of the partners I work with have been fully vetted and they are owned and operated by people who love what they do and have dedicated themselves to serving the design community and customers by providing the best products and services available. If you'd like to know why I'm so proud to have them as part of Convo by Design, email me, Convo by Design at com or on Instagram at Convo by Design with an X. I'd be happy to share my experience. Um, also, please make sure you're sending those show ideas and guest ideas uh to me via email or instagram i love your suggestions i really do and um, many of you have heard your suggestions turn into shows so thank you for that and thank you for taking the time to listen to the show and sharing the experience until next week be well and take today first